Okay, well, I didn't realize my mic was on, which is probably a good thing that I'm here and not in the restroom or something like that. Um, but you're here, so we're going to start. And I'm here, and I just realized what I just said got recorded. Maybe we can uh, put that on the internet, leaving that first section off. We're going to begin like we have each week, and uh, you can probably guess. We're going to read the Lord's Prayer together with uh, summary statements, replacing some of the traditional statements, which we are building upon each week so that we can hear afresh, uh, hear a little differently the Lord's Prayer than we have uh, before. So let's, uh, let's join together. You've got it printed on your, uh, your handout. You should have three today. There were two of these kind of purplish, lavender, I think, uh, color, and then one uh, white one as well. And if you didn't get those, they're in the back. So let's join together. Our loving Daddy, present Lord, make Yourself known. Rule without rival. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And now could a few of you lead us also in those simple words the disciples prayed or asked of Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Well, before we move forward, I was talking to Charles Blackledge just a few moments ago, and he found something really neat on the Lord's Prayer that he is going to share with us. So, Charles, if you could share that. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
that deliver us from the evil one. This has already been added. This is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do this three times daily. So they obviously attached a great deal of importance to the Lord's Prayer. Thank you, Charles. My mic is coming apart. But I thought that was was very interesting to think about how the early church took seriously these these words that uh, the Lord taught the disciples to pray. And even thinking about it, as Charles and I were talking, it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, three square meals a day. I mean, they really saw this as their life breath and the, the food so that they could live out the gospel as the Lord was pouring it into them and then it was overflowing from their lives uh, into the communities where they lived. And so we're continuing uh, with the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Those requests that Jesus taught us to make of our Heavenly Father, those requests which reflect God's heart, those requests that express the priorities about which we should pray. And before we get to our particular petition today, I want to remind us of this this phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about this a little bit the first week. This is the very center of the prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. And this prepositional phrase goes with each of the first three petitions. So, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Here on earth as it is with you in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so again, Jesus is inviting us to be a part through our prayer of bringing heaven to earth. We know that in the consummation of all things, there is a new heavens and a new earth. They are brought together. God does not abandon this world. And so we are praying heaven to earth. And today we're going to talk about bringing heaven to, to earth along lines that are very practical and visible and tangible. And so I want to begin this petition by thinking of the gospel coin. You may have seen that in your handout and thought, the gospel coin, am I missing something in my purse? Well, if you have a coin with you, maybe a quarter, they're easier to flip, I'm going to ask that you will pull it out. We're not going to take an offering. We'll save that for the next service. So if you have a coin, if you don't, that's okay. Put in your pocket, your purse. Okay, so you've got a coin. I still see some of you you looking for that. So we flip our coin. If you're bold enough, you can flip it. If if not, you can just shake it, because I know they might go rolling. And you can just turn it over on your hand, all right? So shake it, turn it over on your hand. Now take a look. Raise your hand if you landed on heads. Okay? Raise your hand if you landed on tails. I'm thinking that was probably in favor of the tails, but just barely. Now you didn't win anything, unfortunately. But it was close to 50-50, which should be no surprise. Now I'm going to ask you a really ridiculous question. And so I don't expect 
a real serious answer, I expect probably a ridiculous answer. But actually, I'm inviting your comment. Because as you think of your coin, or you know, right here I have a quarter, which side is more the quarter? What's that? Yeah, yeah, the outside. Does one of the sides more fully express the quarter? I mean, what would you do if you were paying for your groceries and the cashier handed you back some change and you took a look and you had a two-headed quarter or a two-tailed quarter? You'd say, this is not real money. This is not, this is not the, the full picture. Well, as you've heard before, the phrase, two sides of the same coin. So that's what you've got, heads and tails, two sides of the same coin. Well, throughout history, the church has often certain brands of the church, certain strands of the church, have flipped the gospel coin, turned it over, and then looked and said, ah, that is the gospel right there. I flipped the gospel coin, and I now see it is about proclamation of the kingdom of God. Proclamation of the kingdom so that there can be personal salvation. And this is good and right and true and following in, our, in obedience to our Lord. But sometimes there's not turning over and seeing the other side. But there are other branches of the church that have flipped the coin, it's landed and they've gone, ah, this is the gospel right here. Demonstration of the kingdom of God. Social care, social justice. This is what it's about, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Again, very right, very important, very much a part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But there are two sides of the same coin. And so as we, as we grow as a particular local church, and as, as we see the church worldwide grow, we are praying that we will recognize both sides of the gospel coin. On the one side, proclamation of the gospel. On the other, demonstration of the gospel. On one side, gospel word. On the other, gospel deed. On one side, soul care. On the other side, social care. In other words, on one side, evangelism. And the other, mercy. Evangelism and mercy. Well, you've got a quote on your handout there from the, uh, the great missionary to India, E. Stanley Jones. And he writes, An individual gospel without a social gospel is a soul without a body. And a social gospel without an individual gospel is a body without a soul. One is a ghost and the other a corpse. And I'll read that again in a minute because I know it's a lot to think about. But here, when, when he is writing, he's referring to individual gospel. He's referring to proclamation of the kingdom of God towards personal salvation. And when he mentions the social gospel, he's referring to demonstration of the kingdom of God through social care. So think through this quote again. An individual gospel, personal salvation... Without a social gospel, social care, is a soul without a body. And a social gospel without an individual gospel is a body without a soul. 
One is a ghost, and the other a corpse. So evangelism and mercy, proclamation of the Gospel and demonstration of the Gospel, go hand in hand. They are two sides of the same Gospel coin. So today's petition complements last week's petition. Last week, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This week, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism has this to say about uh, this petition. Your will be done. In the third request... We pray that by His grace, God would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to His will in everything on earth as it is in heaven. This is the mercy priority. Last week, the evangelism priority, where we looked at people brought into the kingdom as the kingdom is breaking into our world as we know it and into the lives of others. People brought in. This week, the mercy priority, people living out kingdom-centered lives. Living according to the Gospel priorities as the Gospel works out in their lives. Evangelism and mercy. Again, two sides of the same Gospel coin. Well, I need to say a little something about God's will. I tell you if, you, if you want to attract people to a seminar, you just call it discovering God's will, and people just flock. Because isn't that what we want to know? Okay, well, this is obviously a huge topic. Just as big as the kingdom of God. And I realized after our, our time together last week, I probably said a little too much in too little time about the kingdom of God. So I apologize for trying to give you a sip through a fire hydrant. I know that may have been a little painful, but anyway, this week I will try to back off and I'm simply going to just point you to a couple of verses and then a brief summary statement uh, to begin to help us think about God's will, His heart, His desires, His purposes. So you've got before you from the Old Testament... Micah 6.8, very familiar verse. God has shown you what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And then Jesus uh, speaking in Matthew, the New Testament, Matthew 22, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? How can we summarize this? Can you, can you just... Make this simple for us. And he says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then I like this comment uh, by Daryl Johnson on the goodness of God's will. This is not, it's not on your sheet. I'm just going to read, read this for you. Now, writing on the goodness of God's will uh, in regard to this petition, he writes, Regrettably, many of us pray this third petition of the Lord's Prayer drearily. We pray, your name be hallowed, head up, hands lifted in praise. Your kingdom come, eyes open, hands extended in expectation. Your will be done, head hanging low, hands to the side. Some pray the petition with gritted teeth. 
Okay, have it your way, God. Others pray the petition in resignation. I guess I really don't have any other choice, do I? Still others pray the petition in resentment. I do not like all this, but your will be done. However, if we understand the will of the Father in the way that Jesus does, we would pray the petition in joyful anticipation. The word for will in your will be done conveys the fundamental note of goodness. The word is thelema. It's a Greek word, thelema. Thelema has the sense of both purpose and pleasure. Thelema echoes the words of God in Isaiah 46. My purpose will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Your will be done means your purpose and pleasure be done. Your design and delight be done. Father in heaven, fulfill all your good pleasures. Accomplish your good purposes on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. This has very much to do with love and good deeds, an expression of God's work, God's kingdom coming into our lives, expressing itself. So you can turn over to the back of your handout. Love and good deeds. Expressing faith and the fullness of redemption to come. From James 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have good deeds? Faith by itself, if it does not have good deeds, is dead. And then Jesus, speaking in Matthew 25, As you did good deeds to the least of these, you did them to me. And then from Galatians 5 and 6, I'm going to pick up in the middle there, let us walk by the Spirit. As as the kingdom has broken into our lives, we're given the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit and let us not grow weary of doing good. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. So I'd love to hear from you. What, What are some examples from your own life when the gospel has been expressed to you, experienced by you, through gospel deed. In in other words, when have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good because someone extended mercy to you? So if a few of you could just briefly share, that would be great. So you had just become a part of the military, 
and met the chaplain. So also then befriending you at a time when you were probably feeling pretty vulnerable. Yeah, something new and something a bit scary as well. Yeah, great example. Thanks. Anyone else? That's great. So people here at this church providing clothing for someone in need that you knew. Excellent. And this could be for you when you, for you as a Christian as well. It doesn't have to be pre-Christian or for non-believer. I mean, this could be you as a believer. Someone has extended mercy and you've been reminded, God cares for me. God is pursuing me. Has that happened to anyone? Mm. Excellent. So, as, yeah, as Dan was going through his, his surgery, just the care of the body of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's great to just have that care and to to know this is very tangible. Mary. Mm-hmm. The the whole definition of family gets expanded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's neat when, when Jesus points out that even as the body cares for each other, it's missional. I mean, like we're not even trying to do it. And he says, they, those who are not yet in Christ, will know that you are my followers, that you are Christians by the way that you love and care for one another. And I, I, can, I can think about being in, in Kiev, Ukraine, and I was on a culture, lingua cultural exchange uh, program there, uh, I don't know, well, a while back. And uh, anyway, I, I remember what impressed the, uh, the Ukrainians that we were living with at the Kiev Pedagogical Institute was not so much the way we, we talked about the gospel, but the way that we loved and cared for each other. And we were just doing that because we were in this new context, and we thought that it was just, hey, I'm, I'm really needy, could you help me? But they were seeing it as these people love one another, and then they would ask about it, and it became a platform for us to say, this is, this is the, the way Jesus loves us, the way Jesus pursues us. So I think we all have great stories about that, we, where, where we've been able to see or taste or touch the gospel, as well as hearing it proclaimed and believing it in our hearts. Well, the mercy extended to you and me is a foretaste 
of the fullness of God's kingdom. Just a foretaste. So let's return for just a moment to the kingdom of God. No fire hose this week. But you've got this question before you. What will the fullness of God's kingdom be like? Under the kingdom of God there. What will the fullness of God's kingdom be like? Do you ever stop and think about that? I mean, sometimes I'm just too too busy, and I start thinking about, okay, what would make my life easier right now and more convenient if I could just get this and this? And I start looking at all these minuscule details instead of this magnificent thing that is breaking in, the fullness of God's kingdom. And I remember reading this a few years ago and was just arrested by it. Uh, Cornelius Plantinga, a Reformed theologian, was writing about the fullness of God's kingdom. And I'm sure this has been quoted a gazillion times in the, I guess, ten years or so that the book has been published. But he writes, The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its Creator and Savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom He delights. Shalom, in other words is the way things ought to be. And shalom, my friends, is the way that things will be when Jesus returns. Perfect peace, perfect joy, needs fully met, gifts fruitfully employed. Okay, we could spend a long time thinking about that. And it's, and, and it's a wonderful thing because what we are doing... <clears throat> in acts of mercy, is giving taste, glimpses of this kingdom to come. You know, it's like walking into Baskin-Robbins. You've got your 31 flavors. And you can taste and see which one is going to be good. And you, can just, you just get a little taste of the fullness of what the jumbo size ice cream would be. And that through acts of mercy, people get to taste and see that God is good and that His kingdom is bringing something beyond, beyond our wildest imaginations. And as we think about the fullness of God's kingdom, His will being done on earth as it is in heaven, I want to read to you uh, one more statement. Uh, this comes from Stephen Smallman. If you have been in the PCA in Virginia for a while, you may know this name because he was the pastor of McLean Presbyterian Church just north of here for about 30 years, I believe. I think that's the church that uh, Kyle grew up in. Yeah, Kyle Goggin grew up in that church. And uh, Stephen served as a pastor in Philadelphia as well, and he just recently became the new uh, interim dean of students at Westminster Theological Seminary. And this is what he, he writes on the kingdom of God. To speak of the kingdom is a constant reminder that God's plan is greater than personal salvation, as wonderful as that is. 
To be thoroughly Christian and biblical, we must go beyond our personal salvation in Christ to at least make beginnings in bringing peace and reconciliation to this broken world. This is God's world, and we must not retreat from it. So we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done, a call to prayer and mercy. Uh, our good friend, John Stott, because I think I quote him every week, what Jesus, bid, <clears throat> what Jesus bids us pray is that life on earth may come to approximate more nearly to life in heaven. Because you see, as we pray, we receive the mercy of God and we are also enabled and made desirous to extend that mercy to others. We participate with God in His redemptive work. This isn't something we do for Jesus, it's something we do with Jesus. And as I said the first week, we become what we pray. Which is why Jesus, when His disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray, He said, this then is how you should pray. Along these lines. Because He knew the type of men and women and children that He wanted to see them become. And so as we pray, Your will be done. We are becoming love God, love neighbor people. Love God, love neighbor people. And because love is active, our prayer leads to love and good deeds. Now, I think this is really, this is really neat. I got excited when I found out about this a couple days ago. Because, I mean, I'm sure I've been in conversation with some of the folks that are part of Friends of Mercy this week, but we haven't talked about the bulletin insert they were going to have this week. And if you were here for the first service, you already know this. If, you, if you're here for the, the second, you will get a preview now of something that's a bulletin insert. They have opportunities for extending mercy throughout Williamsburg. And I thought, okay, does God want us to hear something today? Dovetailing the, the, the Friends of Mercy, an extension of our diaconate ministry, about being tangible, practical, visible expressions of God's gospel and that we just happen to be on your will be done. Anyway, something to think about. I was encouraged, and it made me pay more attention to, to what the Lord has for us. But what does it mean to pray this petition? We pray to share God's heart. To reflect His goodness, justice, mercy, grace, by living according to His will. Praying for God to do what only God can do. That He would do it in us and through us. And I have another uh, <clears throat> excerpt from the way that I, I prayed this prayer this week. Our loving Daddy, present Lord, King of heaven and earth, God of mercy, thank You for Your good and perfect will. Conform our heads, hearts, and hands to it. Please grow the capacity of our hearts to receive the mercy You so freely pour out through Jesus. And may it overflow through our lives into the lives of others in need. By Your grace, lead us in demonstrating the redemptive nature of Your kingdom, especially to those who are struggling and suffering. Through us, 
Make your invisible kingdom known. Fulfill your good pleasures on earth as it is in heaven. And so we can summarize this petition. Fulfill your good pleasures. Fulfill your good pleasures on earth as it is in heaven. And that leads us to our time of prayer. As we move in this time of prayer, I do want to point out you got a white handout today. I know I've been talking to you every week, just reminding you, work on some sort of prayer record. Maybe it's a scratch piece of paper you've stuck in your Bible. Maybe it's a prayer journal or maybe a prayer list. And I've given you another handout every week uh, that looks like this. Uh, Holly pointed out last week and said she had found it quite helpful. I hope others of you have as well. But this is a blank or mostly blank, prayer template for you to take home and look out. Because I'm I'm going a little long here. I'm going to uh, quickly go through it right now and let you take it home. And then, of course, we're going to talk about it more on Easter Sunday when we have our kind of next steps. Where do we go from here? But you'll notice on the left-hand column, you've got listed the pattern, excuse me, the pattern of prayer, the priority of prayer, what the priority is for that day, passions that you want to see kindled in your own life, particular people and places uh, that you're praying for, pressing needs, and then pray a place for praise and thanksgiving. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> as, you move, as you move across the top, in that top row, you see each of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. And so what I'm encouraging you to do and what that, that second handout, the, the second uh, purple handout will, will help you begin to do is to fill out this prayer list. What I like about it is it folds in half and nicely fits in your Bible. And on Easter Sunday, I'm going to bring my prayer list and you can see, I mean, I've typed everything in there, but then I start scrawling on there with a pen or pencil as things come up. And my gosh, if I brought Heather's prayer list in here, I mean, it looks this ratted, ratted, tattered kind of old thing, but it is so intentional and purposeful for the the things for which she prays. Um, But you can begin to fill that out. Pressing needs, I usually leave that blank. And then as needs come up, for example, uh, Libby, someone we're praying for right now, having open heart surgery tomorrow, I would jot her in the pressing needs. And then as that prayer is answered, I'll scratch through it and I'll put it under praise and thanksgiving. So that's all I'm going to say for that for now, because I do want us to move into a season of prayer, and we have about nine minutes to do that. So we're going to get into groups of two or three, like we have been each week. If you are new to this uh, this class, I know sometimes the anxiety levels can go up a bit. I've been telling people every week, you do not have to pray out loud. That is okay. Some people don't ever like to do that. Some people just this morning, you're just not feeling like praying out loud, and that's fine. Um, If you're not praying aloud, pray quietly in your heart alongside the other people. Pass the prayer around your group, you know, praying uh, praying, uh, briefly, often, and in concert with one another. And then I've given you some bullet points there for our season of prayer. Our loving Daddy, present Lord, fulfill your good pleasures. Pray to know God's heart for mercy and justice. Ask to see God's kingdom demonstrated in your neighborhood, School, workplace, home, through gospel deed. 
God's kingdom breaking in through acts of mercy. Pray to love and serve others, especially those who don't yet know Jesus. And ask God how He would have you be the hands and feet of Jesus in Williamsburg or Newport News or Hampton or wherever it is you live. And then you've got a great opportunity uh, with that bulletin insert today to actually respond um, to how He might have you be the hands and feet of Jesus through our our, uh, organized mercy ministry here at Grace Covenant. So if you'll get into uh, groups of two or three and uh, pray, and I, I will close us. Uh, at 10.15. O gracious Lord, King of heaven and earth, God of mercy, Lord, we thank You for Your mercy extended to us in Jesus. Lord, we pray that You would work in us as Your people and as a particular church, Grace Covenant, that You would help us to live out both sides of the gospel coin, evangelism and mercy, proclaiming the good news of personal salvation and into the body of Christ and the kingdom of God, and then demonstrating life in the kingdom, redemptive community. Lord, we pray that you would do this work in us and through us, that you would fulfill your good pleasures on earth, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So don't forget to work on your, uh, your prayer list this week. Um, and uh, bring them back next week. If you have questions next week, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. And uh, keep praying. And then somebody, a couple of people have said they really appreciate being told to, or encouraged to, lean into the awkwardness. So, I know at times it feels awkward. Keep leaning into the awkwardness. So go in peace.